Once again, welcome to week four of How To, our mission vision series, uh, with a twist on gather, group, grow, give, and go, trying to be intentional with giving you how-tos in those areas so that you can take your uh, Jesus roots and have them be even stronger in the year ahead. And, and we pray, we know that God promises he will bless those roots with amazing fruit. So I want you to think about the last three weeks if you've been here for our entire series, and I pray that you have. If you haven't, you can catch how-to church, community, and generosity online. But if there is one thing that ties all three of those weeks together, one commonality about making how-to a next-level opportunity in your life, how-to maximize your roots, write down this word, regularity. Like if you want a key and a takeaway for the roots and doing them well, how to in these spiritual areas, regularity. Like show up for church regularly. It's one time a week. Get into a group, do life together in the two seasons that we have them, one night a week, and give, be generous as you can, but the Bible's encouragement is to make it regular in keeping with what you have on the first day of the week, whether it's bi-weekly, monthly, irregularly because you get your, your salary in different ways. But regularity is vital to, to strong roots. And I bring that up today because there's probably no more root and area of our spiritual life where regularity is essential to create an atomic habit. Experts would tell you and when you're trying to build a habit, create a habit that will stick, it takes work, it takes intentionality, it takes a plan. And you've maybe heard the myth that as long as you do something for about 30 days time, it, it'll stick and, uh, and happen. Have you ever heard that myth? Like do something for 30 days and it'll become a habit. Maybe. A study that was done about 10 years ago by the European Journal of Social Psychology actually said this about habits, a new habit that you want to make a permanent habit, an atomic habit. It can take up from 18 days on the short end up to 254 days to form it. And they said there's a whole lot of variables as to where it will fall in that timeline. Like let's say you want to create the habit of drinking more water regularly. It's far easier to do that on a daily basis than it is for someone who wants to create the habit of doing 50 sit-ups every morning before they go to work. Drinking water, less work. 50 sit-ups, hard work. It's going to take longer to do the one than it will the other. And I think when it comes to the roots and the regularity of those other things, I, I think the one for today is probably the the one that takes the longest. It's going to be closer to the 254 days than it is the 18 days. And you know how I know that? You. In May, we did a survey of our members on their roots. We got somewhere between 100 and 200 responses. The ones who responded were the, let's just be honest, people who are more rooted and more likely to give feedback. So in this group are people who, who gather a lot, who give fairly regularly. But do you know when we ask you which one of your five roots 
these 100 plus respondents who, who came back to us said they wanted to work on most over the next six months, their grow root, how to Bible. And in asking them why, it wasn't because they didn't want to. It wasn't because they could care less. It wasn't because they, they didn't see the blessing that could come from it. It literally was the how-to is really hard to. And that's what I hope I can impart on you today. That I can convince you that you're not alone in this, that there's examples in the Bible about this, that we can learn from them, and that you can maybe take some practical things and apply them to your life of faith and your grow root, because it's so vital and important to stand the storms that come, to, to stand the challenges that are real, to wrestle and deal with anxiety and emotional wellness, to, to face death well. If you want to do all those things as best you can with God's help, by God's grace, how to Bible well matters. And I'm not about to pitch anything that I don't think is, is challenging and difficult for you and not admit that it's hard for me. Like, yes, I'm a pastor. I study the Bible. I preach on the Bible. I, I spend time in the Bible every day, but how to Bible personally is challenging for me too. For some of the same reasons as for you. There's distractions. There's work. My personality type, my strengths. Temptation is hard to deal with. And as much as I know it's important, I want to, I don't always how to as well as I could do. So I'm going to share with you a section from Scripture just to see that people wrestled with this, that they struggle with this, because reading the Bible is not easy. Some things we can learn about how to better from this man, but also then from a verse so that you can be blessed. Let's turn to Acts chapter 8 to see the story of a man 2,000 years ago who wanted to know how to and, and wanted to, but struggled with it. An angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way, he met an Ethiopian. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. We'll stop and pause there for just a second and and you get a little insight as to, to where we're headed. There's two main characters, but I want to give you some context. If you want to know how to Bible well, sometimes the context helps you understand better what's going on. The how-to context of Acts chapter 8 is that the early Christian church was growing. Pentecost, 3,000 added to their number. Multiple people are coming to the faith. The Holy Spirit is on fire. The disciples are on fire. They are preaching the message. The church is growing. But Acts chapter 7 changed everything. Stephen, the first martyr, was killed, and now the church is being persecuted. So not only is the church growing, but the church is going, like scattering. All sorts of directions, encountering all sorts of people. And that's what's happening here. There's this man from Ethiopia. He was a eunuch. He served the queen. He had wealth. He was in his chariot. He was coming to Jerusalem. And Philip is sent by God to to this place, and, and there he meets them. Let's see what happens next. As that man was reading the book of Isaiah, Philip was told by the Spirit to go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. 
Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. Now hold it there, stop there for just a second. And you get your context in this text. God is up to something. He directs Philip to a road. He calls Philip to go to the chariot. He knows what's going on. God has a plan. Philip knew none of that. Philip is just being obedient. And when he gets up to the chariot, he, he sees and hears the man has the book open, the scroll open probably, of the book of Isaiah. And he asks a question. Like, Philip didn't know what God was up to, but Philip saw the open door and the opportunity that he had. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. Now, before we go into the next part, I want you to remember two things. Because sometimes we forget this part. The Ethiopian man was reading the Bible. It means he had some knowledge of God in the Old Testament. Might have been Jewish. Maybe he was a Jewish, uh, Jewish by birth and he got taken off to, to Egypt. Maybe he was brought to and converted to Judaism and was in Jerusalem to worship in the temple and was reading Isaiah the prophet, one of the most famous books. But here's the thing about reading the book of Isaiah 2,000 years ago versus today. You and I have the second part of the book like the connect the dots New Testament to the Old Testament book. And the prophet Isaiah, perhaps of all the books in the Bible, is littered with the most profound, important, deep, and significant and specific messages and prophecies about Jesus Christ. The one who was going to come, who he was going to be, what he was going to do, whose family tree he was from, all the things that he was going to endure and do. But you know what this man didn't have because it did not exist? The New Testament. The only way anyone could know about Jesus Christ would have been word of mouth. And the odds are pretty good, my guess, that maybe that hadn't made it to Ethiopia yet. And if this man went to Jerusalem to the temple to worship and he was an Old Testament Jew by by birth, He probably had only heard from Jewish people who didn't much like Jesus if the church was being persecuted. I I don't know. My opinion. As I read it and observe it, all those things are going on. And so Philip asks him, probably assuming he doesn't have knowledge, do you understand it? To which the man says, how can I, unless someone explains it to me? I want to. The book was open. I think I need to, but how to? And while it's very specific to him and unique because of the timing and the setting, I would guess the odds are good that that you've been in that same place like him. How can I, Bible? I don't know how to. There's a lot I don't understand when I do. Which leads to a lot of the reasons how people don't Bible well. Like, I want you to imagine for just a second that God didn't have a plan here and Philip never showed up here and the Ethiopian man is reading Isaiah and he doesn't know how to understand. 
What would you do? What have you done? Like, have you just kept on reading, even though you don't get it, to check the box? Have there been times where you got frustrated and you stopped because you, you didn't know how to understand it and you just never picked it up again? It, it blocked your grow root from growing? Did you set it aside? Did you get frustrated? Did you, did you maybe go through the motions? You know, when those moments happen, usually the wrong ways to Bible happen. You start assuming you already know it. No big deal. You start to assume you don't really need it. Like I got the, the th small things figured out. You skip it. You forget it. You're too proud to ask for others to help you with it. Like all those elements are how-to no-nos when it comes to how to Bible well. But you know what? That's really easy to do. Like the devil loves frustrated Christians who are too proud to ask, who think they know too much, who think checking boxes is good enough. And those versions of how to Bible will always leave you lacking. Which is why I love what happens next. He wanted to, he was doing, he didn't know how to, but he understood the, the right path to take how to to the next level to Bible better. He invited Philip to come up and sit with him. <sighs> Would you come in my chariot and, and sit here with me? Here's what I'm reading. And he was reading Isaiah chapter 53. Like perhaps the most beautiful section of scripture for Christians who have both Old and New Testament. Like you can't miss the, the dots connecting to Isaiah's prophecy of the suffering Savior, the wounded, afflicted, by his wounds you are healed section of scripture. Because we have the New Testament. Like he's reading this section of scripture. He, 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 it's talking about Jesus. You and I know it's talking about Jesus. If you're not, if this is new to you, it's talking about Jesus. And after he's done reading the section, the, the man asked Philip this question because he, he got it, he knew it, he just didn't know how to answer it. Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Is Isaiah talking about himself or is Isaiah talking about someone else? Like, this is the pastor-perfect moment. Like, if you're Philip, this strong Christian, he knew Jesus, was one of the inside circle of people serving the church in Jerusalem. He had done some mission work already. He had healed some people. Like, I can imagine Philip's eyes lighting up going, oh, yeah, here it comes. Philip began with that very passage of Scripture right there and told him the good news about Jesus. Like, Bibling well, as we learn from the Ethiopian man, we're going to come back to it. Don't be too proud to ask for help. Like, how-to is hard. Like, the Bible is not easy to understand. 
But how to Bible well, I can make it really easy for you in one little simple reminder. Like as you Bible, as you're reading, you should find something in it all the time. Read, read strategically to focus on the most important part of the Bible. It's not easy to understand all of it, but Bibling well is easy when you remember that Jesus is at the center of everything. Like from beginning to end, the Bible is all about God. From beginning to end, it's a love story from God to you. From beginning to end, it's pointing you in the direction of Jesus Christ. From beginning to end, it's telling you that God wins, the devil loses, you win, heaven is yours. From beginning to end, if you will just remember as you read it, even in the hard parts, but God wins, I win, Jesus died, God loves me. Everything that you're reading in it might, might not be completely understandable to you. You will Bible well because you will be blessed deeply. And that's exactly what Philip knew. Like how to Bible is to, to bring it to Jesus. And while I don't have the rest of the story up there, because remember I gave you the homework of reading this section, so if you did it, you know what happened next. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. The eunuch, the eunuch man that was there with Philip saw some water. He asked to be baptized. They get down. Philip baptizes him. In a moment, as he's baptized, Philip disappears from the scene by the power of the Holy Spirit. The eunuch man doesn't cry, doesn't burn the book, doesn't get upset because he's not learning more. No, he goes home rejoicing in the good news of Jesus Christ. Like, can I get an amen? Amen, right? How to Bible. That is the truth. Like, be honest, be open, understand it's not easy, but remember, at the end of the day, the best way to make it easy is to bring it all back to Jesus like Philip did. And I want to help you with that. How do we understand it's not easy and, and Bible well, and yet always come back to, it's really easy when you keep the center and Jesus forefront in how to Bible well. If, you can tell, if I can tell you, you can find something about Jesus every day. You need more Jesus every day. Maybe, just maybe, it might take you 254 days to make this, a, which is a really hard habit, stick. But if you focus on Jesus, if you are okay with it being difficult, if you follow these steps, I promise you, because God promises you, you will be blessed. So that's not my man-made promise. This is a God promise spoken through me. And to help you do that, to Bible well, I got three verses from Psalm 1. Blessed is the one, the psalm writer is writing, it's generic, so it could be you, could be me, could be you, could have been that Ethiopian man, could have been Philip. Blessed is the one, fill in the blank, blessed is Tim, when his delight is in the law of the Lord, and blessed is the one who meditates on it, his law day and night. Now I want to help you a little bit with this because sometimes the Bible can be confusing. When you hear the word law, how many of you think of the Ten Commandments? A lot of you might because we did a good job of teaching you that in catechism. Sometimes the word law in the Bible, specifically in the Old Testament, is not that, that specific uh, rifle Ten Commandments law. It's a general word for all of the word of God from beginning to end. That's what this word is. The good news, the bad news, the law, the gospel. Blessed is the one who just delight is in the law of the Lord, his word in general, who meditates on his law day and night. Now here's your big takeaway, how to Bible well 101. In that verse, that word, meditate, in your Bible, circle, highlight it. 
and understand it well, what it really means to Bible well equals to meditate on the word and meditate equals to chew. To chew. We use this phrase as pastors sometimes around here. You've probably heard it before. Pastor Mike on the Grover route before has preached and used this word. So forgive me if I repeat it, but I want you to understand the significance of it. When it comes to Bibling well and how to Bible, I need you to chew. If you're a farmer or grew up on a farm, you understand the imagery of this word when a, when a cow chews, like they chew it, they start digesting it. Pardon my French, but all the kids are really away at Bible discovery. They bring it back up, but not out, and they chew some more. I know, it's really disgusting. We don't do that as human beings. But animals do it because it helps them break down the food. That's this image. Chew on it, the Bible says. And I didn't really understand this before, but to chew with that visual in mind reminds me of what my mom and dad would tell me when I was younger. Tim, slow down and chew your food. And I'm like, Mom... Tom is only a year younger than me. Andy is coming up fast on me. If I don't eat it really fast, I won't get to the seconds first. <laughs> Son, you need to chew. And I kind of forgot about that, which is why I'm so thankful for my granddaughter who reminds me of this. Like, you know when they're little kids and they eat applesauce and all the pureed stuff, it just slides down. It's really easy. They can shovel it and there's no consequences. But once they start learning hard food, that amazing gift that they had with the shovel of hands that just goes in and in and in, fills up their mouth and they forget that they need to chew. And the first time I saw her eat macaroni and cheese, which was a sight to behold for yourself, mom and dad and grandpa and grandma are like, Ada, slow down and chew. Because it'll bless you. It won't make you sick. It won't hurt you. That's the visual I want you to have in your mind, one of those pictures, what it takes to Bible well is to chew it, to slow down, take time with it, chew it, to gnaw on it, let it digest, maybe bring it back up again in front of your eyes and chew it again. Don't rush through it. Don't go through the motions because you think you're going to run out or you want to chew it. And I have five tips for you before you go on how to chew, how to Bible well. The first one is this, can I convince you to plan for it? Like if you do one thing today when you go home, plan for it. Benjamin Franklin said, a failure plan is a plan to fail. Have a plan, make a plan. Pick a topic, get a version Bible uh, app open, pick a topic, something on an issue that you wanna address, have a plan, this is what I'm gonna do, this is where I'm gonna do it, this is who I'm gonna tell what I'm doing, I'm gonna have accountability, like pick a place, pick a time, pick material, have a plan, share it with somebody, have a plan. Every expert would tell you if you wanna make an atomic habit, have a plan. Don't go aimlessly to the gym and wander around machines because after two days of wandering around machines, you will not come back because you think everyone's staring at you and they're angry at you because you're in their way and they're telling you the truth. I'm just kidding. You gotta have a plan. Like success comes with a plan. And this route, the hard route, how to Bible well, have a plan, have a person in place, know where you're going. I can give you some plans. I can give you some ideas. We develop three of these a year. You can do our fall reading plan that I'm gonna highlight in a second. 
We have tools and resources outside that are foolproof and easy. One-page devotionals, this is a starting point. If you don't have a strong grower and you want to how to Bible well, pick up Grace Moments, one-page, daily devotional, really easy, really simple from Wells Pastors. Pick up the meditations, a passage at the top with explanation at the bottom. If you're not a dig through the Bible and want to read it on your own, these people are doing some of the digging for you and blessing you right there. How to Bible well means have a plan. There are tons of resources that are available to you. But can I convince you this week, if you do one thing, write down what your plan is going to be, your place is going to be, what you're going to do, what you're going to use, who you're going to tell, have a plan. Plan for it. And once you have a plan, do what a lot of you learned before you eat to do. Like how many of you learned to pray before you eat? How many of you still pray before you eat? Like before you chew on God's word, pray. Simple prayer. Lord, I'm about to open your word. Thank you for what you've done for me in the past through Jesus. Thank you for what you're doing for me right now in my life. And thank you for what you will do for me in my future, that heaven is mine. And in this time, as I'm reading this word, help me open my heart to chew on it, to take to heart the things I don't want to hear, and to celebrate and rejoice in the things that that you want me to hear that you've done for me. Amen. Boom. Pray for it. Pray about it. Then do your chewing. Chew on it. And I want you to remember some simple tips. To chew on it might be to journal. It might help you write down things that you learned in it. To chew on it doesn't blitz through it, but maybe writes down the questions you have, highlights things in your Bible. To chew on it uh, and do it well, you can kind of do what I tried to teach you in those first few moments of the Ethiopian man. That was kind of like the soap method. Read scripture, observe truths that are in it, things that stand out, apply it. When the man said, how do I understand it? That was my application to you. Are there times when you, don't, you wrestle with it, you get distracted by it, you give it up, and then pray about it. Soap. Easy way to, to read your Bible. Soap it. I know, don't put soap in your mouth. But soap, using the Bible. Chew on it. Can I convince you to, to simply... Let things sit. Maybe do it in the morning, come back to it at noon, highlight one truth at the end of the day. Chew on it. And then when you're chewing on it, ask about it. As the lead pastor here at 922, I'm giving you permission to ask me about it. I would prefer that you'd ask the other four. (laughs) Because they're smarter than me. Parents, kids, I can speak for our teachers, I can speak for those at FVL, if you are in classrooms there, ask about it. They'll answer, they'll find answers, they want to they bless you in it. They've been trained, they've studied it. Ask us about it. We're okay with that. We want that. We want that for you. We want to help you chew. There is no bad question. There is, there is no bad question. Every question you might have is a good question because we want to help you chew the Bible and learn more and have a blessed how-to when it comes to the Bible and your grow root. And when you do all those four things, at the end of the day, how to Bible well, delight in it. Like delight in it. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord. Because you know what at the end of the day the Bible is all about? I told you it was really easy. It is about 
that person who went to that place, who came to this earth so that you and I might spend eternity right there. At the end of the day, when you are Bibling, as you've done all those things, as you've chewed on it, let that ultimate truth go deep down into your soul and help you guard your heart. Jesus has made me a child of God. Jesus is preparing a place for me in heaven. My sins are forgiven. That is my identity. Lord, no matter what I face today, no matter what circumstances come my way, no matter what trouble happens to me, I know I'm loved by you. Delight in it. Like, and there are so many good things in it. And you know, if you do those things, if you, how to Bible well, take one step forward, you know what the psalm tells you will happen to you? The person, that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. It, it yields fruit in the season of life that you are in. You will be blessed when you how to Bible well, when you meditate, when you chew on it. And Craig knew that. I stood up there on Tuesday at the funeral of a 47-year-old man with two college-aged daughters who fought cancer for nearly four years. You can't do that well without how to Bibling well. Which is why I asked his wife for this Bible that he showed me when we sat down to plan his funeral. It was newer. He got it more recently. He wanted a Bible that he could just go through without distraction and highlight passages in it that would bless him in that season, that would produce the fruit of faithfulness in the face of death. And you know what? Almost every New Testament passage he highlighted had something to be like this. We are hard-pressed on every side, but we're not abandoned and not destroyed. And he died for all that we should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Like Revelation chapter 7, there will be no more weeping or sorrow or pain. The old order of things has gone away. Like 90% of the passage is about pain and death and suffering well. He Bibled well. He chewed on it. And now he's enjoying the best fruit ever. <laughs> and I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for 922. And so does God. So let's pray for our, our grow root right now that we might how-to it in the days ahead and find the amazing fruit that God promises. Heavenly Father, Bibling is so easy. It's a book. We can read it. We can find it on our phones. And yet it's so hard. It's not easy to understand. And it's easy to put down and get frustrated. It's easy to get distracted and do other things. Which is why, Lord, I pray that, that you help us how to chew well here at 922. Lord, help us have the strength and courage to plan for it. A time, a place, a person to help us be accountable to. Lord, lead us to pray before we get into it, to chew on it when we do, to ask when we need to, and to delight in it when we're done. Because in it we find you and grace and love and all the truths you long for us to hold on to that will set us free.